Hello and welcome to The Artist Appeals, the podcast where we answer the question, how do you make a living with your art? In this podcast, we interview leading industry experts, working artists and creatives about how they make a living with their art. We seek the secret sauce to how do you make a living with your art? How do you make money with your art? So whether you're a photographer, a graphic designer, an illustrator, a hand letterer, are you a designer, a sculptor, a painter, whatever your medium may be, we have answers. We interview everybody we can get our hands on, leading industry experts from craft company CEOs to working entrepreneur, artistpreneurs. So welcome to the Artist Appeals. I am your host, Erin Sparler, and this is season three. Well, today I'm very pleased to share an interview with the co-owner of Green Box Art and Culture. This lady started a business creating artwork for her children. Her mother-in-law painted the first pieces and they printed them on canvas so that children could touch them so that her children's room would be more personable and interactive. That business has since grown to three websites with over 300 licensed artists and thousands of products. She's the co-owner of Greenbox Art and Culture, Baby website, Oopsie Daisy, and for teens, Wheat Paste. Please welcome Karen Cap. Hello, Karen. How are you? Well, I'm good. It's so nice to get to chat with you. <laughs> yeah, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Thank you. So we always start out with art, but you're more of an art director. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what your job is and what you do? Sure. Uh, my husband and I started our business about 22 years ago, which is easy mm -hmm. to remember. It was <laughs> the birth of our son that sort of prompted um, the beginnings of Oopsie Daisy Fine Art for Kids, which was our original and first brand. And mm -hmm. it was all about bringing better art to children's spaces. The belief that uh, children really engage in their surroundings and are inspired by what they see, what they can touch. Um, mm -hmm. And that's how we started. And we decided to focus on canvas for children's rooms because they could uh, touch it without having glass or plexi to separate them from the art content. And oh, I felt, like that. Yeah, yeah. We felt it was durable for children's rooms, and it made a lot of sense to to hang stretched canvases in those spaces. And that was 22 years ago. And since then, we've evolved into a company that has three brands. We also have Wheat oh. Paste, uh, which is for the teen market. Um, it's what I would call um, art that kids would choose, but parents would be happy to also have in their home. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not always easy to find. Um, in that right. Group. And then uh, we also have Greenbox Art and Culture, which is our art for everyone. It's more for the adult spaces and includes everything from kitchen tea towels to uh, porcelain pieces for trinket trays or for food safe materials. It's just a wide range of artful products. And as one of the co-founders of the company, I supervise the creative team here. We have mm -hmm. uh, three in-house designers. And yeah. then we work with over 300 artists from all around the world, primarily from North America. Uh -huh. And one of my biggest jobs is deciding what art we should procure for the line, what we should license, mm -hmm. and what pieces within the collection we should focus on for our new collection launches. And oh. Yeah. That sounds like a hard job. <laughs> you know, it is an event because I think I, I also work with a lot of our customers. I go to all of our trade shows, um, mm -hmm. which prior to COVID, we had eight trade shows a year on our schedule. So oh, wow. Which ones? Yeah, uh, we do the Atlanta show, which is our mm -hmm. biggest show. We also do Las Vegas and Dallas. And then we are represented uh, with a distributor in Canada. And that entails the Toronto show. So it's a chance to really hear from people directly. What yeah. In their retail stores, um, what doesn't, what they're 
what they're excited about, what new color trends are in the market. Uh-huh. Um, so it's it's a really lively place to kind of just be surrounded by what's fresh, current, and on trend. And it's inspiring. Um, so, yeah. so, you know, the position that I'm in, it's everything from dealing with our uh, wonderful staff. We have uh, about 40 employees here in San Diego. It's cool. working uh, with our artists. And as I mentioned, we have about 300. And then it's working with our customers. And that includes our website ships directly to consumers across the country and around the world. And then our um, customer base in the retail community, we work with over 2,000 uh, retailers. And that's everybody from um, big box and upscale department stores to independently owned small boutiques, which are really the bread and butter of our business. That's amazing. And you did all that in 22 years? Well, yes, and raised two children because that was the whole reason we started. So I feel like the company and the kids have all kind of grown up together. (laughs) Yeah. And you were inspired to do this because you had kids, huh? Yes, yes. Our first son, uh, when he was born, um, I kind of looked around when I was trying to do a room that resonated and felt like it was part of our home and an extension Mm -hmm. of our home, not just a room that was filled with you know, licensed characters and things that didn't really yeah. fit our lifestyle. And um, my mother-in-law is an artist and mm-hmm. I asked her to create some painterly pieces for kids. And that was the beginning of the business. And we were so pleased because we started at the same time as Pottery Burn Kids and The Land mm-hmm. of God, which is now um, a division of Crate and Barrel. Okay. And they were our target customers from the very beginning. And I ended up um, selling two of our pieces from my mother-in-law into Pottery Barn Kids. Cool. Yeah. And we ended up um, selling into the Land of Nod with art from another really talented artist, Maria Carluccio, whom some of your listeners may be familiar with. Mm -hmm. And that was it. That was the beginning of everything. And we still have those customers as customers today. So 22 years later, we're still working with those clients. And I really, and we're still working with some of the very same artists that we start with. And, and that kind of um, growth. That says something. Yeah. Yeah. It says something. Yeah. It's a commitment from all parties, you know. Yeah. I totally get the idea that, you know, you didn't see anything out there for your kids. It's the same reason I started iConnect Crafts with my movable chipboard embellishments is, you know, I went around and I was looking and here I have two boys and they just don't. I felt like they didn't make environmentally conscious uh, craft supplies for little boys. Everything was, you know, um, styrofoam and pink and purple. And I still don't see a lot of crafting stuff for little boys, in my opinion. And little boys love to get their hands into things and make things. And I mean, it's it's a skill set that we should encourage in all genders. And um, it, it is. It is interesting how we we tend to ignore certain things until a parent like yourself says, hey, there's a need for this. And that dominates, um, I think, in the children's market in particular. You see a lot of entrepreneurial businesses um, that are started by parents who see a need. And and I think Mm -hmm. that's a terrific form of building a business. Right. So how did you come up with your product idea. So you found the artwork from your mother-in-law, but then you decided to make a product out of it. So we always use this acronym to kind of organize the podcast of first we talk about art and then we talk about products because you really got to think about what products are you going to create from your art. If you just sell your fine art one time, then you've missed out on a lot of revenue, right? Mm-hmm. How, oh, did yeah. you, how did you decide to turn... Um, you know, you asked her to paint this, right? Mm-hmm. But how did you say, hey, I want to uh, turn this into a product? Well, we really looked at it from the very beginning as being a reproduction because we mm-hmm. wanted the artwork to be affordable mm-hmm. and make sense um, for multiple children's spaces. We weren't looking to do custom original art. Um, we do get requests from people for that. And we... Oh. Yeah. And we let people know, you know, unfortunately, um, unless they're a large retailer looking to buy in quantity, we Mm -hmm. don't, for instance, you know, paint a 
paint from a photo of your pet. Uh, we've gotten a lot of requests for right. that, but it's it's not the business that we're in. We're in the business of reproducing art um, so that it is affordable. And then as we've grown, we've looked for ways to make our company more of a lifestyle company as opposed to um, a one-dimensional art company. I, I mean, mm. art is the basis for everything that we do. And so it is our, our main product category, if you will. But mm -hmm. as we've progressed over the years, we've found that our retailers and, and most of our business is directed to the retail um, space. They're looking for ways to make their environments, destination environments, particularly with mm. all the online shopping. They're looking to create a retail store that you walk into and you just feel the life and the energy and the sense of style. And that's what you want to duplicate in your own home. And the retailers made it easy for you to see how to do that. So yeah. we look for ways to support that kind of full shopping experience. And that's meant for us delving into products that in the beginning, I really didn't have any idea 22 years ago that this was where we would end up. But they're so much fun and so fun for the artists to see something that they may create on a canvas that has some dimension to the canvas. Some of our artists, you know, do really thick paints. And mm. one of our artists, Ellie Halpin, who's amazingly talented, uh, will use even glass that she blows in her own studio that she creates. And she'll use that within the, the painting that she's doing. Or she will also use, um, you know, instances. Sorry, I think I have a phone ringing in the background. Pardon me. Sorry. Um, this is will, real life, folks. This is real life, absolutely. Life happens. happens. Yeah. And we all end up doing a million things at a time, it seems like. Yeah. Um, but that's the fun of it for us, is making that piece then live onto a fabric tea towel or a pillow or, you know, we put it onto um, a piece, uh, you know, a plate, and you can use that on your dining table with, you know, pastries or a salad, et cetera. So the art just has many um, ways of sort of transforming your space. And it, it's yeah. fun. You know, I find it really interesting. The more I get into art licensing, the more I find it fascinating that um, the art really drives it, mm -hmm. that it can really make or break a company the art on their product um for example i went to a friend's house the other day and she's getting into this norwicks um cleaning supplies have you seen those hmm, i have not it's like all natural cleaning supplies they have silver woven into the fabric of their towels their tea hmm. towels and their cleaning towels and it's supposed to be antibacterial and, and much better and anyways they're they're um, a young company and all their materials are all plain it, yeah. they're not printed yet they're just solid colors and I it just got me thinking about how so much of what we buy is driven by the artwork on it well I think what we've seen is that people and especially this year we're looking for things that make us happy and yeah. whether it's a color or a combination of colors or a specific, um, you know, animal maybe that's incorporated into the artwork, whatever makes you smile and makes you happy is what you want in your home. Yeah. And we also sell a lot into the gift market and the idea that you can give a gift to somebody that is maybe more tailored to their personality because it is printed with something that's artful and reminiscent of what you know yeah. about that person that resonates differently than something that's maybe of wonderful quality but is more plain they don't necessarily remember who gave it to them it doesn't have the same kind of emotional connection mm -hmm. as something that is really um unique and in more individual feeling and i think that's what drives the american customer these days is that interest in connecting to something that's really deep i like that yeah you know we had another guest on and she was talking about the curated life mm -hmm. and how people want to create a life and a home with carefully curated objects that speak about their personality mm -hmm. and i think that's true and for me i think it's it's just this idea that you can bring emotion 
And I always go back to the word happy because that's the kind of artwork that I'm drawn to are the things mm. that make me, it, they lift my spirits and they make me feel something. And that's what we tried to do with Oopsie Daisy in the children's world was find something that all different kinds of kids could connect to in different ways. And I don't see that we adults are really any different. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm like looking through your collection and it's so whimsical and cute. I know you have a lot of animals and they're very colorful. Sometimes they're dressed up. It really does have a feeling of um, personality. It does. And I think the thing we're looking for artists too that do this in a sophisticated way. Um, mm -hmm. It's, it's a true, um, there's some quirk, there's some um, true humor and artistry, there's humor. Yeah. There's, yeah. All of that. And so it's a way to bring something into your home that is still um, very upscale and, and interesting yet not, um, too serious or boring too you know yeah the animals are really colorful i was just checking out your um lampshades mm -hmm. and they're fantastic and there's i'm going to describe it for you guys there's this one that's a pink and kind of neutral colored pigs it's like a big pig and it's like a mommy pig she's she's got circles painterly circles <laughs> kind of nipples she and there's a baby pig next to it and i just love it and those baby pigs go all the way around the lampshade. And I mean, that's true life, ladies, right? You yeah. Know? <laughs> well, I mean, I nursed my kids and, you know, it's it's just great. It's, yeah. it's whimsical. It's funny. It's subtle. It's not in your face. It's not garish. It's just lovely. <laughs> yeah. It, it's um, That's Ellie Halpin, the artist that I was mentioning. And she's out of Texas. and uh, uh -huh. But she grew up in Alaska. And so her mm. childhood was... Um, really seeing animals up close. She used to have um, a moose that would come up to her window at night and look in. How <laughs> amazing is that? And yeah. So a lot of her artistry is inspired by what she was able to see, you know, herself. Yeah. From Alaska to mm -hmm. Texas. That's a, yeah. that's a change. <laughs> yeah. Big, big change. Um, you know, she's had an interesting life and she loves to travel. So she's still seeing new things. Um, yeah. And I see you've got a lot of animals with florals and it's just wonderful. It's very whimsical. You guys do great product photography too. Um, so for example, your placemats are set on tables with uh, lovely, lovely, uh, yummy looking arrangements around them. And that brings us to P for presentation. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like nice a transition. transition. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, presentation is everything. Um, it it's is, very right? important. Yes. Um, we do have, as I mentioned, really talented creatives in house. And so mm -hmm. they are responsible for making sure that the presentation matches the quality of the artwork that we license mm. and making sure that it shows product in a way also that the retailer or customer at home can look and immediately identify, oh, that's a placemat, not to be confused with a piece of wall art. You know, we need to, to show people clearly what product category it is. We have yes. floor cloths. Um, that's a good tip. Yeah, and we have floor cloths for the floor. Um, so we typically show our floor cloths with uh, feet, you know, people in different shoes that kind of match the style of the floor cloth artwork. So you can immediately go, okay, that I put that on my front porch. I put that in front of my sink. You know, I know what to do with that product. Yes, that's a great idea. I see that your um, tea towels are all, all on the website. All of them are shown with little... Um, um, not safety pins, um, why I can't clothesline pins. pins. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes it readily apparent that this is a piece of cloth and it even has a little bit of a, like a ripple to it uh -huh. showing that it's fabric. So yeah, that's a great tip is to present the products online so that it's really quickly apparent what type of product you're getting. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, we've, after 22 years, there's certain things that we've learned and figured out. And then there are certain things, Erin, that we're still learning because <laughs> every day in business is different. And 
so, trial like, by fire. Yeah. Yeah. And by learning. <laughs> and um, that is also what makes it interesting and exciting. And the fact that you have to be ready to do the next thing. This year we launched face masks because obviously we all need them. Oh, and right. uh, we're currently launching puzzles because we're all looking for something to do at home. And yeah, you know, we were mentioning earlier the importance with, uh, you know, kind of listening to the marketplace, too, mm -hmm. and and how important it is that the art itself drives the, the product category. And I did find out in researching puzzles that it's more important what the puzzle artwork is than whether it's 500 or a thousand pieces. Those mm. those piece counts are very almost equally popular. Mm -hmm. So what's more important to the puzzler is the imagery that they're going to be working on more than, you know, if it's going to take them a couple extra hours because it's a thousand pieces, you know, versus 500. Yeah. So. Sure. How do you listen to the market? Like, how do you evaluate what products to focus on first? Well, there are some different things that come um into to mind for us when we're deciding what to do next. Um, we're listening to, we work with sales reps across the country. We have mm -hmm. 75 uh, sales reps who are selling Greenbox, Art and Culture, Wheat Paste, and Oopsie Daisy on a daily basis. And so from the very beginning, we've been working with our sales reps now for about six years, and we've always wanted to hear their feedback, their mm -hmm. suggestions, so you really have to be open to suggestion. And I think anybody who isn't listening and always just wants to do their own thing is missing a great opportunity to try some new things, to hear right. what other people's opinions are and try to work those into their own vision. I think it's important to have your own vision, but to have some flexibility in there too. Mm -hmm. um, so, so listening to what customers want and what sales people think they can sell is an important mm -hmm. part of it. Looking at the price point and understanding if you can deliver something that's in a reasonable price point for the marketplace. And then also for us, it's knowing what we're good at, um, where we already can produce things in-house. We do a lot of our production here in San Diego. So we own our own printers. We have a variety of different machines. So those lampshades that you were talking about, we print yeah. the lampshade here in house, cool. but we have the base made elsewhere and we import the base into the country. And that's our way of producing something that's partially made in the U S so that we can have our employees um, involved in it here with quality control and so forth. Yeah. But we can also do it at a price point that the market will bear by bringing in some of the components from elsewhere. Um, so, so that's, that's kind of it, you know, can we do it? Well, can we do it at a price that people will be comfortable paying? And do we think that we already have the customer base to sell this to so that the artist and we aren't spinning our wheels trying to create something that we really need to now delve into a whole new marketplace to try to sell, that doesn't really make sense to me. You know, we right. want to use the channels we have. Right. Now for artists, I um, was listening to a presentation the other day about the greeting card industry. And she was talking about doing your research as an artist and looking at the companies and looking at what they have. And she had a really simple suggestion. Um, she said, go to some of the big um, box store websites like Hallmark or whatever and sort by best sellers mm -hmm. and then you know don't replicate it necessarily but look at the theme look at the colors look at the styles of their best sellers um, I thought that was a really great tip for artists to help them kind of understand what works is is that kind of um I agree. And I think, um, as I said before, I think you need to have your own vision so that your work is differentiated and not replicative of somebody else's. Right. But I also think um, you need to know what's going to be marketable. So when I've been working with artists over the years and asking them to do specific things, I do tell them, look at what color palettes are are current in the marketplace and look at colors that are coming on trend. So yeah, do you have a favorite website like Pantone 
or someplace that you go for color? We uh, certainly look at trends. I actually look a lot at fashion and I look oh, at really? what, yeah, I look at what's in fashion now because what's on runways now is going to influence what's in home decor in six months to a year later. Ah, so, the trickle down effect. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, it's not that I'm saying, you know, do really avant-garde kinds of things, but if menswear or shibori or you know you're kind of looking to see what are they showing in pattern and color mm -hmm. and what do i think might then work adapted from that into the home environment um, and certainly looking at some of the big players in the home decor market you can also see because home decor isn't going to change as fast as fashion so you can see right. remember how long you know gray was so popular and it's still popular but yeah. it's not as popular as it was before. We're seeing a lot more of the the warmer, you know, camels and things coming into homes now too. Mm -hmm. But I think taking clues from what you can see, I mean, children's rooms in particular, you have sort of some core color combinations that continue to be popular. Oh yeah. And, well, if you look at do blue, tell, do tell, yeah, do tell. <laughs> I mean. Blue for boys' rooms is is ever popular, you right? Know, right, be, of course. Maybe instead of it being blue and red, maybe it's blue and orange, maybe it's blue and camel, but you know, blue, 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 right? Yeah. Um, you know, the American consumer's favorite color for the home is blue, and even though the Pantone color one year might be purple, we weren't going to go bet a ton of purple um, was going mm -hmm. to be more popular still than shades of blue. Right. So you might want to bring in some accents of things that are more um, on trend, but always uh -huh. have core colors for people to put those trends with. I think you'll be more successful that way. There you hear it, folks. 22 <laughs> years of experience, blue it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we're talking about presentation and um, the next letter in our acronym that we always kind of go through to keep things in order is we talked about art, we talked about product, we talked about presentation, but um, E for educate. Now, obviously, I'm not talking about educating um, yourself, uh, but as artists, we're constantly educating ourselves and our art. We're, we're all constantly evolving in our styles. Um, and we're always looking for ways to share that information out with people. Um, you guys are a big store. You've, you've, you're selling to tons and tons of places, 22 years. What is your best tip or trick for how do you educate and communicate with like your clients and your customers? What would you say is um, your best communication method? Oh, that's best makes it sound like you have to pick one. And I just don't think you can do that anymore. True. You know, we do tons of um, email blasts, but we do mm. tons of emails. We do where it's, you know, individually targeted, not blasted. Um, mm. We have customer service representatives here on site who, who answer the phones you know, Monday through Friday and talk to customers. And if the customer has a question about something, they can walk out into the production facility, um, which is directly behind us. We're all under one roof and they can see the product. They can pull it and tell the customer, well, I think it's, you know, this shade, if that's what you're looking for, you know, we'll send. So I, I just feel like you have to be able to meet the customer in the way that's best for them to hear your message, not decide this is the way I deliver my message and everybody has to fall in line. It, there's just so many avenues. Are you enjoying the artist appeals? I know I love recording it. This is just a quick break to encourage you to get your free download of the top four things that you can do to make money with your art at howtomakemoneywithyourart.com. So get your free download at howtomakemoneywithyourart.com today. And now back to your regular program. It is right now. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds very personalized. Mm -hmm. Actually, let's flip this because you work with so many artists and art licensing. I bet you what everybody wants to hear right now is the million dollar question. 
how do you like to be communicated with mm. if an artist is approaching you to license their work? I mean, you said you have over 300 artists. Mm -hmm. We send out an artist newsletter quarterly to the Ooh. artists that we specifically are licensing with. So it's not mm -hmm. a general newsletter. Mm -hmm. But in that newsletter, we always tell our artists um, our deadlines for submissions for the next collections and to send their um, submissions to our artist um, submission email. And the same is true for anybody who's trying to contact us for us to see their artwork. Sending it to me directly is not a good way. Mm -hmm. And I say that because um, we have a more organized system that goes through our artist submission email, which is in the footer of all three of our websites. Mm -hmm. And that gives people the email to send just JPEGs. You know, you can just snap pictures of your artwork and send low res to us. We're not looking for high res to make decisions from. We're looking for low res imagery. Yeah. And then if we select it, then you um, hear back from us within two weeks time. And we send you an artist uh, pre-licensing packet that kind of mm. tells you what it's like to work with us. And it's going to also show you what our contract looks like. So you get a chance to read through it and determine whether this works for you or not. It's a very standard type of contract. I really hate legalese. I'm sure mm. everybody listening does too. It's, <laughs> it's super boring and tedious. To yeah, that's through. coming up. We're going to talk about <laughs> licensing and contracts in plain English because I think sure. people get you know intimidated by that. But mm -hmm. contracts really don't have to be scary. Um, you just got to read them. Yeah. And they usually have some pretty standard um, yeah. things in them. So you, you know, usually just having an art licensing handbook and, mm -hmm. you know, reading through it and maybe getting a second pair of eyes, which don't have to be an attorney's eyes, but mm -hmm. somebody who's very thorough would be helpful. So you can get a friend or a spouse or, you know, partner to help you um, look through that. Um, but the reason we do it too is, is when we take on an artist, I think artists don't realize how much goes into it on our end before we even launch their artwork for the first time. Mm. We're creating all the product descriptions for our website, all the meta yeah. keywords. Uh, we're doing all of the pre-production file work on getting their files ready and sized for all of our processes in the back. Oh, that's nice. You do that for them? Yeah, we do do all of that. So it's once once we take on an artist, we want to know that they've already reviewed the contract and are comfortable with it and any questions have been answered um, mm -hmm. and handled together from the outset. So that when we send them the final contract that has all of the images on it that we're licensing, which are now all pre-prepared for our collection launch, they're just ready to sign. So it's an important part of the process. But the reason why I ask that people go through that initial artist submission email yep. is because all of the art goes into our database and I can view it, but so can the rest of our creative team. And so we can make a better collective decision. It's faster, oh. it's more efficient, and it also puts your art into um, a more, um, I want to say housed, formal application uh -huh. uh, that we can go back to. So if it's not right for us at a certain time, it might be right for us in the future. And we can reach out and contact the artist later if we were, you know, kind of go, hey, this is a good fit now, even though it wasn't, you know, six months ago when they first contacted us. If someone just sends me an email, quite frankly, it's, you know, it's in my email box now. It's not very organized. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Um, I heard this at another presentation I was listening to. Um, I think it was the one I just mentioned um, through Art Biz Jam, and I hadn't heard that before to submit through the website because it goes into their system, mm -hmm. and it's very, um, they have a specific email that all of the submissions go into that email, and so they can find it, it doesn't get lost, and I thought, oh, yeah. That makes mm -hmm. sense. You know, you always think that these emails online are like a gatekeeper's email and that getting past that gatekeeper, um, you know, you're looking for a look around or like a secret tunnel door or something. Yeah. <laughs> People kind of think, oh, she's the co-founder if I contact her directly. Um, but what they're right. missing there is that 
it's part of my job to look at each and every submission. And I do. Um, but when it comes through our normal channels, it's organized, it's saved. And when it comes to my email, I potentially could be at a trade show and not get to it in mm. as timely a fashion as the initial person would here, um, yeah. who puts it into the right place for everyone else to see. So it, you know, sometimes the process is there for a really good reason. And, and that's the case with us. A two week turnaround is really fast. That's really cool that you guys respond so quickly. Sometimes it's a lot faster. It just depends upon if uh -oh. we're in the middle. Uh-oh. Pause here, folks. You, you're, you're, um, are you still there? I am. You can't hear me? No, I can hear you. But um, huh. your wave line just came out. Okay, now oh. I popped back in. Okay. Just keep talking for a second and I okay. will cut out this section if something's wrong. Okay. It says recording in process. Did you hit any um buttons? No, uh, but you know passed. what? Something popped up that said uh internet connection lost and then it came back up and said it was found again. So I think it must have been some kind of I don't know. Yeah, I can see you and hear you, but your wave line's not showing. So let's keep huh. going. Okay. And I hope that it will, um, I mean, I see my wave line. So hopefully, hmm. Hmm. we'll see. Okay. We might only get half an episode. And if that happens, then we can just record the second half. Sure. Because yeah. we're, we're more than halfway through anyways. Yeah, you can definitely contact me again. Yeah. So actually what I was thinking before that was um, one other thing I wanted to ask was say somebody wanted to submit twice or had new work, say they submitted mm -hmm. to you and you guys are like, oh, this doesn't really work for us right now. And then they put together a whole new collection of artwork. Can you resubmit to you? You can. And there's no problem with that. What we what we prefer is that somebody not submit on a weekly basis, but maybe more on a quarterly basis or every six months, mm -hmm. because it's too much to keep circling back to a few new things from an artist, you know, mm -hmm. every week. I just, you know, who would have time to do that? Right. Um, so, so we do ask that people, and sometimes too, if I see somebody that I think is growing in the right direction for us, we will say to that person, you know what, we'd love to see new work when you have it. Mm -hmm. um, to kind of signal them that it would be great for them to try again in the future. I uh, love it. Yeah. Sometimes you, an artist just needs a little bit more time to kind of, um, grow a little bit more and that's normal, you know, oh, Every, yeah. everybody's in growth mode. And so sometimes yeah. the timing is just right more in the future. Well, a new work is always new work, you know? Yeah. Sometimes you just haven't made the work that will fit yet. Mm -hmm. And that is one important part, I think, about licensing and the right fit is knowing the product categories that the company currently offers and whether your uh -huh. art is a fit for that. We get a lot of pattern um, designers coming to us and... Mm -hmm. It's just when we're looking for wall art as the main category from which everything derives, pattern mm -hmm. is generally not the right fit for us. Um, and if it's too illustrative and feels like it's it's more a part of a longer sequence of a story or too editorial, maybe that's also generally not a great fit for standalone wall art. So I always kind of recommend to people before you submit to a wall art company, you know, 36 pieces of patterns, consider that that's probably not what's going to be appropriate um, for what they're doing. Right. Well, like I noticed with um, most of your work is has a very, as you've said before, a very painterly quality. Mm -hmm. um, you don't have a lot of tight vector-based illustrations or you know, graffiti art or surfer grunge style work, your work, the, the work that you guys carry is very painterly, maybe modern. Mm -hmm. um, Contemporary. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, there's definitely, if you look at any, probably any companies um, offering, they're probably, if they're kind of a, a brand, they're going to have some commonalities within what's mm -hmm. in their collection. 
-hmm. And so you can see pretty quickly whether what you're currently doing feels like it fits into that mix. Again, doesn't duplicate what they already have, um, but fits with the rest of it. Because when you go to a market and you're in a trade show environment, for instance, you're typically putting forward a cohesive looking collection that the right. retailer can identify as being your company. Yeah. And, and so that's important to, to notice. Before you, you know, it's a lot of time for an artist to, to submit to different companies and keep track of where all their submissions are yeah. in the process. So be targeted. Yeah. You got to find something that you fit with, that you feel mm -hmm. good with. You know, it's kind of like a marriage. You're <laughs> not going <laughs> to, I know that sounds a little weird, but you know, you're going to be working with these people fairly closely, right? You said you've yes. got artists that you've been working with for 22 years. Yes. You, you better have mutual respect. Um, it is definitely a two-way street yeah. and, um, you know, you want to feel like the work that you do is valued, um, yeah. and in an appropriate way too, you know, because yeah. obviously a business is a business and, and you understand that they're, they have to make money for it to survive. Yeah. So everybody kind of has to play their part in that, but be treated, um, with some equity and some, and some mutual respect. Now, one, one question that's been coming up a lot is about organization. Our next topic is um, amplification and how you get bigger and how you mm -hmm. scale. But one topic that I've been seeing a lot with artists is how do you organize it all? Um, and certainly with 300 artists that you're licensing, and you've been doing this for 22 years, you've managed to scale a, a wall art company. How do you get it all done? How do you organize? Like, do you got any good tips and tricks for us? Hmm. Um, I think on our end, we've looked for different platforms that as an organization we could use to help us organize. Um, yeah. And so like we use Basecamp for project management at our company. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a proprietary system for our work order that my husband and some of our IT specialists um, developed that really, you know, in the beginning, it was all paper orders and packing slips were on paper. It was, you know, as we scaled and grew, it became a mess. So we had to, to make it all um, where you could scan something as it was in a production phase. And then uh -huh. literally like our customer service team can log on uh, to our work order system and see where an individual order is in the process. Was it just printed? Is it in the packing department? Did it ship? And here's the tracking, you know? So those kinds uh -huh. of things we've grown into um, as a company. Um, personally, I am just a huge list maker. I always mm -hmm. have, I know, I always have a paper list and then I have a list on my iPhone and I just, oh, you do both. Are they the same both. or different? You know, um, I they're kind of a little bit of both because what I'll do on a day is write down in front of me on a piece of paper my absolute must dos for that day, and then things on my yeah. iPhone. If I don't get them done that day, I move it to the next day on my calendar so that it doesn't fall off anywhere. Uh huh. And you know, I mean, I. I I'm always multitasking. So I could literally be sitting at home, um, blow drying my hair out of the shower and my iPhone sitting there and my husband's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, I just remembered such and such and I'm putting it on my calendar. So I don't forget it. And he's like, you are crazy. <laughs> oh no, I get it. I yeah. do it too. Yeah, because... we do. We're women. <laughs> yeah. And you got to fit things in between running the kids here and there and fixing lunches and dinners and you know, yeah. and, and getting ready for this, that, and the other thing. Yeah. You're like, oh, I forgot. Oh, I better put it on my calendar. Yeah. I do bullet lists too. I do bullet journaling uh -huh. and then I put stuff on my calendar as well. So it sounds similar. Yeah. And you know what? I, I'm 54 and I would just say to anybody listening, especially young mothers, I know you have um, younger kids. And I would yeah. just say, just don't forget yourself because there, <laughs> there have been a lot of years where I've kind of not fit in enough time for myself. And I think it's really important to, to make sure that you, you know, get your jog in or get whatever makes you happy in. Okay. Um, and that is great. You advice. Know? 
so yeah. true. It's really it's easy to so, change yourself. So easy to get lost in motherhood and just uh-huh. be mom of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> dot, dot. Yeah. But we're all here. So it's important that we um, have a little minute in the day to, to feel like you're still you, you know? Yeah. Do you guys use file naming conventions um, for your artwork with your artists or like, I actually have an art agent and he has very, very specific file submissions and file naming conventions. Do you guys have that in place for your artists or? Our creative um, team here, when we enter the chosen finished art into our system, mm-hmm. um, we we have an artist number for every artist. And for instance, if an artist has an agent and then doesn't have an agent or vice versa, mm-hmm. we assign a new number so that um, you know, they might end up having two numbers with us, one that mm. corresponded to things that were licensed with their agent and one that is just they licensed to us directly. Mm. So these are the things we need to make sure that our royalties are run appropriately. Um, and then, yes, we have a system that will give each piece in every size and every type of product category that we produce it. It creates its own number for that piece that's automatically generated. Um, So we don't have any duplications. And we have a system where, say, um, a SKU is exclusive to a certain retailer. We can code Mm -hmm. it exclusive, and then it doesn't populate to our website where somebody else might see it and purchase it, you know? So there's Mm -hmm. a lot of things that we do internally to make sure um, that everything runs smoothly. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Well, that's really cool, though. Yeah. I mean, you, you kind of have to figure out ways to make things not so manual because, you know, we are human and yeah, you know, we make mistakes. So, yeah. So licensing and contracts, you meant mentioned that you kind of have like a standard contract that you Mm -hmm. um, do for your artists. What are some of the terms that you think all artists should know and understand in just plain English? Well, certainly understanding the term of the contract and the exclusivity level of the contract. Um, so I, the term being how long? How right? long? How long? Mm-hmm. And also um, geographically, is this a worldwide contract? Is this a contract that's um, tied to just the United States? Is it um, so region? Mm-hmm. Ours is a three-year contract, and okay. the reason we do that is because if we do it for any shorter length of time, we have found that we don't have enough time to really um, get something moving. Sometimes fast enough. Sometimes we're ahead of the market. We see something oh. that we think is really cool and on trend, and the first eighteen months sales will be slow. And then it'll start booming because people kind of caught up to it, um, yeah. you know, and, and that is kind of sometimes people have to see something a few times before they feel comfortable jumping in. And we have found that um, three years for us was kind of the, the right term. And fortunately, Ooh. we generally are renewing those licenses. We don't tend to not want to renew unless something just really didn't um, sell at all. Because we find that as we grow an artist's collection and offer more from that person, their revenue will increase as will ours. And we'll just have a more robust collection for that person so that if um, there is a customer who loves that style, they're going to find the right theme and color mix within that style if we have Mm -hmm. more from that person. I think artists should also understand um, copyright and understand, um, you know, we're all inspired by things around us, Mm -hmm. but that has to translate still into something original when they put the piece together. I, you know, everybody has seen a lot of horror stories of things that are maybe being copied in other countries and then presented yeah. as, you know, it's, it's a never, it's like playing whack-a-mole trying <laughs> to keep on top of all of this stuff. Um, but the artist owns the copyright with our company. We don't purchase the copyright. And so it remains their art in perpetuity. And that's great for the artist. Um, 
the other part of that though is that they also with our contract are stating that this is something that they originally created so you right. have to understand how much you can be inspired by something else whether it's um mm -hmm. you know someone else's artwork someone else's photography someone else's um you know illustration i mean you know you understand what i'm saying but yeah do you ask your artists to register their copyright we don't require it, um, but we certainly believe that if they do that, and you know, you can do it as a collection. So it's not like you have to do a copyright individually for every single piece. You could create a collection of pieces and get a copyright for that collection. And that's a more economic uh, way to do it. Yeah. Um, but I do always think that that's a great idea. And some of our artists do it for all of their pieces and others don't. It's, a, it's time and effort. Um, but I think just you personally, as you're painting, um, you know, knowing if you were using any source material, you know, mm -hmm. understand um, and maybe invest in some some, um, you know, lectures or podcasts that you listen to that talk about artistic copyright. I think that's a good idea. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, that's what licensing is, is letting somebody use your copyright to put your art on products, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and copyright is just the way something looks and and um, it's got to be enough that it's uniquely you. Mm -hmm. With our contract too, we pay the artist per piece sold. We don't, some artists are looking for a buyout of the piece. Mm. Um, and that's not the method that we use. Um for us, we have a very large collection, and quite frankly, if we paid up front for every piece that we license, we wouldn't be able to offer the wide assortment that we offer. But at the same token, if you have a bestseller in our line and you have it for 5, 10, 15, 20 years, and you get paid per piece, over time, you make much more money than if we had paid you at the outset a one lump sum to license. Yeah piece. And so I, I kind of feel like we're both taking a chance when we go into this relationship together. Mm -hmm. And what we're doing from our side in terms of investing in the piece is doing all of the setup that I discussed, you know, getting the files ready, writing all of the, the um, material that needs to support it on the website, yeah. and then taking it and putting it in front of all of our retailers. Um, you know, yeah, we, that itself is priceless. Yeah. And we, in addition to doing the email blasts, um, all of the social media, we of course do all the trade shows that I mentioned. We produce a catalog, we produce flyers, you know, there's just a lot of expense that goes into marketing, um, the artwork. And so that's our investment into the piece. And so I feel like both parties have kind of come into it taking that chance and putting mm -hmm. an investment into place and then rewarding the artist for every piece that's sold, I think is more equitable than saying, here's a one-time lump sum. And if this, Oh, you know, it's totally it, more fair. I think so. You know, not, um, not everybody agrees. I really wanted to license with this artist that I found and she and I were having a great conversation and she said, you know, I just always, I want to know for my budget that I have this amount of money every time I license a piece. And I just said, well, you know what? I totally get it because you got to do what your business model and your experience has told you works for you. And if it's your mm -hmm. comfort level to sleep better at night, knowing that you're doing it this way, you know, I'm certainly not going to argue with that. You know, it's just, this is what we have found in our 22 years in business is what works yeah. for us. So we didn't do the deal and it's too mm -hmm. bad because I really do love her work, but mm -hmm. you never know too. Sometimes things change. I have sometimes yeah. thought that we weren't going to license with somebody and then lo and behold, something changes in the future and we do end up working together. So, um, you know, you always have to be, I think, optimistic and yeah. looking for what might be coming down the road. Yeah, well, I've talked about this before, but we had Maria Brophy on. Mm -hmm. She's um the wife of Drew Brophy. He's kind of one of the um, founders. Or, or, I mean, he's been doing surf art for a really long time. Mm -hmm. And she gave the example of this one piece of art has earned them a quarter of a million dollars in licensing. 
mm-hmm. because she was able to license it to so many different product categories. Yeah. So, yeah, if you just sell it for a flat fee, you're potentially missing out on a lot of money. You are. And with our contract, you're only licensing that particular piece of art for the particular product category that we are mutually agreeing we're going to to do. So you're still free to go and license it, as you said, to other companies for other product categories. And you're not in any kind of breach of contract. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah. That's phenomenal. It's funny, though, I will mention I've had from time to time, very rarely, but sometimes an artist will come back and say, oh, you know, I just got this opportunity and I want to take this piece out of my licensing assortment. And it surprises me that I still find that people, I mean, a contract is a contract. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I will yeah. say that. And once you've signed it, you, you really can't go back and ask a company to just undo it for something else. I'm so, surprised to hear that. I've never heard that before. I've never what? heard an artist being like, oh, I want to take this one out of my licensing contract. That's so right. Weird. Right. <laughs> well, it's unusual, but it has happened a few times. And so I mention it just so that, huh. you know, people understand once you're signing something, it is a legal document that has the lifetime. That's yeah. And that's why you have to read. You got to mm-hmm. read the contract. And it sounds like yours is very standard with, you know, three years. I've seen two years. Three years seems to be pretty standard. Mm-hmm. You know, a region defined. So North America, that's pretty standard. And then, you know, product well, categories. Is, yeah. And ours is not North America. I'm okay. just mentioning that because it could be. Our website ships around the world. Oh, so we don't specify that. But but that's yeah. something for artists to note when they're looking at uh, yeah. um, licenses. I was only referencing one of my old contracts. So I'm ah. mean yours, folks. I'm, I'm not saying theirs is North America. I have a contract or had a contract <laughs> with a company that was specifically for North America. So you can define what region they can sell those products in. It could be yeah. North America. It could be Europe. It could be worldwide. Correct. Right. So last but not least... I like to ask about success because I find that we as artists, we jump from one project to the next, and we oftentimes don't stop to celebrate our success. And I find that in business too. You know, it's always go, 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 go. Um, so how do you measure success and how do you stop and celebrate those successes and acknowledge them? Oh, that's such a good question. Because it's hard. You've always <laughs> got something else that needs to be done right behind something that you just yeah. uh-huh. So I think, you know, with our staff, and we have staffers who've been here for some as long as 15 years. I'm uh-huh. Longevity is, is really um, a plus, I think, because you have all of that history of the company and, and how you've solved problems in the past to build upon. So yeah. we do as a group try to do some fun things. Um, I, this year is not the greatest year for that because we really, we don't <laughs> want to host any super spreader events. So <laughs> most of our office staff is working from home. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we try to celebrate by just, I try just to send a personal email to a staff or two to say, this was such a great effort and I really appreciate, you know, everything that you put into it and so forth. It's just that like personal acknowledgement of here's what I really loved about what you did um, that I try to, to do with our staff. We've certainly done like we've had some fabulous Halloween parties in the past here. And I remember it was really fun. Uh, Land of Nod, then Creighton Kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, they always had a big Halloween party too. And we would send each other pictures of like stack of <laughs> costumes and stuff. Get a whole bunch of creatives together for Halloween and it can't yeah. be fun. <laughs> yes, exactly. And then, um, you know, so it's that kind of, kind of um, communication that can make something more than just a business relationship. That's really yeah. fun. One of our um, creatives here was doing a Halloween costume and asked one of our artists if she could, um, use a, like the idea of one of her pieces of art for a costume and the artist was like yes do it send me a picture and so they had fun you know asking permission and doing it properly but then 
sending pictures to each other of it. You know, that was really fun. So, yeah. Um, that's really cool. It's such a personal connection. And as an yeah. artist, I'd be so over the moon if somebody was like, I want to make an outfit out of one of your pieces. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was yeah. Uh, one of Heather Gothier's flamingo pieces, and it made for a pretty cute Halloween costume. So, Oh, cool. So, you know, there's just a lot of mutual fun to be had, even within the busy, fast-paced kind of environment that we all are living in, you know, in 20 20 and in the the fast-paced kind of world that we've created for ourselves Uh so (laughs) I think just looking for the personal moments is is really nice that's great I love it I think that's a unique answer is looking for the personal moments I've heard you know everything from cake to um (laughs) I like cake (laughs) (laughs) don't we all yes yes I'm suspicious of people who don't like cake but also (laughs) jealous at the same time No doubt. There's something wrong with you if you don't like cake. (laughs) Well, Karen, thank you so much, so much for all of this great information. My pleasure, Uh, Erin. You've been a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you. Hold on the line. Will do. Do you want to learn how to make money with your art, but you're a little bit pressed for time and you don't have time to listen to every single episode? Well, we've made a free download for you at howtomakemoneywithyourart.com. You can get your free download and it includes the top four things you need to do today to start making money with your art. So if you want to learn how to make money with your art but you're pressed for time, get the free download over at howtomakemoneywithyourart.com. All one word, no spaces, all spelled out. That's howtomakemoneywithyourart.com. Get your free download now.